Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guesthouse overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. Jack Daniels Distillery first opened back in 1866 and it claims the coveted title as Tennessee's and America's oldest registered distillery. Jack Daniels Classic Old Number no. 7 won its first of seven gold medals back in 1904 at the St. Louis, Missouri World's Fair. I'm correspondent Tom Wilmer. Come along and join me in Lynchburg, Tennessee at Jack Daniels World Headquarters for a most insightful conversation with assistant distiller Lexi Phillips. She reveals fascinating insights about the unique characteristics that make Jack Daniels whiskey so distinctive. For example, Jack Daniels' coveted yeast strain has been cultured non-stop on location since Prohibition. The iron-free spring water is naturally filtered through Tennessee limestone and locally sourced sugar maple used in the charcoal filtration process infuses unique, flavorful, fruity, and floral esters. Come along and join Lexi Phillips at the Jack Daniels Stillhouse to discover the rest of the story. I'm Tom Wilmer reporting from the heartland of Tennessee. Right now we're at Jack Daniel Distillery and we're with Lexi Phillips, who's the assistant distiller. I love it. <laughs> me too, me too. Very good to be with, here with you today. Yeah, do you realize you're spoiled, right? I think I am just a little bit. It's mm -hmm. still kind of sinking in. <laughs> <laughs> so let's reel back in Lexi's world. Where did you grow up? So I grew up actually right outside of Lynchburg in Estill Springs, Tennessee, another very small town. And I went to, it was in Franklin County High School. Parents were both big outdoorsy people. My dad was very mechanically minded. My mom was always in the garden, and that's what they really passed on to me. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I went to college at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University up in Murfreesboro. And one of the last few semesters there, they started offering some classes that geared towards the fermentation sciences program. And that's really what piqued my interest. But it could have been wine and grapes at that time? It could have been. It yeah. could have been. Mm -hmm. You know, being from this area, I knew uh, very generally how to make wine. But to learn that there's a lot more to it than just uh, the sugar, fruit, yeast, and a whole lot of hope, that, that was a pretty cool thing. That was really neat to learn. So how did it morph into whiskey distilling that's really cool yeah so it was uh it was about a year and a half after i'd graduated that my great aunt she still worked down here in bottling she called and said they had a position open they were hiring she'd love to have me come down and try it out it was a great job had over two dozen family members work here past and present so it kind of felt natural like a so legacy family, to carry on yeah. yeah for sure how far back did your family so my great-grandfather was the first, and that was back in the 40s, uh -huh. helping the Motlows out. 
and it really just trickled down through the family from there, both my grandparents and bunches of cousins. When you first went to work here, did you do a little bit of everything? I did. I started at the bottom working part-time in bottling, just doing anything they'd let me do, really, working any shifts. And it quickly went to quality control. And I worked there for about a year and a half, so that was on the finished whiskey side. That's everything from the barrel to the bottle and getting it around the world. So seeing that we start testing our whiskey before it even leaves the barrel was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. What all we run it through just to make sure it's of the quality that we want it to be. Was there some advantages from your college studies that you were able to specifically apply? Um, not yet. I'd say that because I went to college for ag business. So really the majority of that came in at the steel house working with grains and honestly mechanically hard work. That's where that came into play. Talk to us a little bit about what you feel is special about Jack Daniels and whiskey as a drink. Yeah, I really have liked to tour all different sorts of distilleries, see the process. Like I said, I have just a very strong interest for the process. Something that I've noticed is that we are one of the most whole distilleries out there. We control everything from our barrels. We have a yeast strain that we can trace back to prohibition. Our conversion in the cookers is all done with the malted barley. The natural enzymes are present and all the water that goes into it is from the same cave spring hauler that Mr. Jack used. And I mean, that is really just something that speaks to the soul of quality whiskey making. So a lot of consistency, huh? Even Absolutely. Like, I was thinking about your sugar pine that you harvest locally and the yeah. sugar maple for the yeah, charcoal, yeah, yeah. yes. It comes from 80 mile radius. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the charcoal adds to the charcoal mellowing process that we've used back in Jack's day that has been carried on for over 150 years, where it's the filtration of our whiskey before it goes into a barrel to be mm -hmm. matured. So it's, um, that's a, a pretty interesting aspect of the whiskey making process. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because you don't have that luxury of a broad palette to work from. Very limited ingredients. Right. And critical that I learned in Scotland is the water. Yeah. I mean, so huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spring water, you of course have to make sure it's iron free because that is something that will completely ruin a whiskey if there's any iron present. But just the mineral makeup of it filtering through layers of Tennessee limestone really adds a character to the whiskey that couldn't be produced anywhere else in the world. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. You can't replicate this exactly. anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. The other variables, raw ingredients that have remained basically unchanged in your sourcing from where the grain is grown. Exactly. The one thing that um, we have raised production since back in Jack's day, but we're still doing it the same way. Mm -hmm. And we are still using all of the number one grain ingredients that we possibly can. We'll go as far as we have to to source the number one grains. Mm -hmm. So that means it's just pretty much a corn, high quality, clean grains. That's what we're looking for. So few variables, but each basic ingredient is so critical. And one that is hugely critical is yeast. Absolutely. And your yeast. So talk about yeasties, because they're a little organisms, They right? are. Starting at the steel house, we all have managers and um, people that are over us, but this is still, the yeast is really our main boss, because that's what we have to keep happy the entire process of from when we grow it up 
from when the microbiologist hands it off to us. They start the new strain each week, the same yeast that's come from prohibition. So it's the same little yeast family going back to the 1920s, 1930s here. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. So they have gone through, of course, back then they didn't really know the difference in yeast or anything. They just pretty much got a copper jug, collected some out of one batch, put it in the <laughs> creek to keep it cool and happy, and put it into the next batch. But it's the same descendant family today. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. I know it's maybe a little hard to deconstruct. That is your one, other than water, your one real variable. Exactly. The one thing that makes us different, I mean, we have an entire section of our building dedicated to the yeast production, Mm -hmm. where, you know, any other distillery, any distillery can flip through pages in a book and order freeze-dried yeast, which there's nothing wrong with that, but five distilleries may have the same freeze-dried yeast. Mm -hmm. Nobody has this one, and it really is what produces those fruity and floral esters that come through that are truly developed in fermentation and then are condensed down within the distillation and carry through through the entire process. So it goes without saying, this is a case of don't touch that dial. <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. You, no one would ever even remotely consider monking with that variable. Yeah. Exactly. That is a very important process that really affects the flavors of our whiskeys. Talk grain for a moment, because again, it's a limited... Recipe, Very limited palate, as you said. So we're working with corn, rye, and malted barley. That is our three grains. We're using the same grain bill from back in the day. It's the 80% corn, 12% malted barley, and 8% rye. So that corn, that's really, if you will, the meat of our cooking process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's given those sweet notes of the corn. The rye, it really delivers a slightly spicy flavor. You know, that's really our flavoring agent. And then the malted barley, while it does yield a little bit of flavor, its importance is the enzymes that are within it. And that's one of the highest qualities that we can source for that malted barley, just because we don't use any other man-made chemicals or anything to convert the starches in that corn to sugars where the yeast can eat. So that's definitely more my speed. I love talking of the distillery side. I yeah. can talk that for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, then another variable in your world, it has to do with charcoal, right? Right. And the differential from bourbon. Exactly. So once our whiskey is distilled, comes off the still at 140 proof, it is then sent to charcoal mellowing. So we follow all of the laws to be called a bourbon mm-hmm. or distilled below 160 proof, bottled over 80, put into the barrel below 125, and so on and so forth. But to be a Tennessee whiskey, you have to have all that plus going through the Lincoln County process, which is our charcoal mellowing. Right. So before the whiskey goes into the vat, it is pretty much bourbon. Mm-hmm. And then once it slowly drips through these 10 feet of sugar maple charcoal, solid packed into these vats, then when it comes out the bottom, it is still absolutely crystal clear, and there's a stark difference in flavor. That's where some of the corn oils, a little bit of fatty acids, have been removed, and you can tell a much more mellow, softer whiskey. Are the bourbon people a little jealous of you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Maybe a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so now we've come off the still, and you're in a barrel, 
And there's another variable that happens, right? You have, what, a thousand barrels in a barrel room. That's it. And, but something will happen as you taste individual barrels and you do something with those unique barrels, right? Talk, For sure. Talk to us about that. So once the whiskey is barreled, we'll put it in one of our warehouses that hold up to 20,000 barrels. So from the bottom floor to the top floor, we're really relying on Mother Nature to uh, run its course and extreme heating and cooling of the seasons here Mm -hmm. really allows that whiskey to go into the wood pours and then pushed back out which is where 100% of our color and most of our flavor is coming from but as you get higher up on these in these warehouses say to the fourth fifth sixth seventh floor there is it is a much more bold character is that a temperature variable it is because mm-hmm. think you know heat rises so on those higher floors it is a very extreme temperature in the summer it's well over 120 degrees in the winter well below freezing so that abrupt extreme temperature change is what gives those bold flavors and talk to us about one of the nuances that's it's kind of overlooked sometime and that's your angels that steal your whiskey <laughs> Exactly. Tell us that story. So the angel share. As our whiskey is aging, some of that whiskey, some of the alcohol will actually make it out of the barrel, be evaporated off. And it can lose up to maybe 20% of the volume of that barrel within just the first few years. So that is considered our angel share, but it really it is an actually important part of the process because that's also allowing air, oxygen in there for that oxidation to happen and just change the flavors just a little more too. And just deductive reasoning, the atmosphere that's coming in is filtering through the oak. Exactly, that's it, another filtration. (laughs) I love it. So what's your average barrel aging time? Average for our black label is uh, our old number seven is around four to five years, and then our single barrels between five to six years. Okay. So those are average. Okay. And once you've bottled, is there any bottle aging or is they just good to go? Um, they're pretty well good to go. I think we hold on to them for a couple weeks just for quality checks, but other than that, they're good to go. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. Tell me what excites you the most what makes you enthused to get up in the morning and come back to work (laughs) um i say the steel house is a really cool part just because every day is a little different but something in my new role that i'm pretty excited about is innovation Mm -hmm. and you know uh, with chris fletcher our master distiller really leading the charge on innovation it's a really exciting time because we've done something with our called our tennessee tasters line and that's where we've got to take this uh, this world-renowned whiskey, this liquid that is uh, amazing to start with, and then we get to finish it in maybe another barrel, or we get to try it with another proof. We've done different grain bills over the years, doing our rye whiskey. So doing different things like that, that's really the fun part of being a distiller for sure. That's, Absolutely. That's so cool. Well, I could keep you all day. I like <laughs> to go in the lab. <laughs> So, for further information, how did somebody learn more about your world? Jack Daniels specifically. You could definitely go to our website. and uh, (laughs) JackDaniels.com. And uh, there's a lot of information on all the different whiskeys that we offer and all about our process. 
And my name is Lexi Phillips, the assistant distiller here at Jack Daniel Distillery. Lexi, what a wonderful day in paradise. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tom. This was awesome to be here. I know. I've had a great day. I'm Tom Wilmer reporting from the heartland of Tennessee. We'll see you here. Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guest house overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students, preserving the past and inspiring future generations of dreamers. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. You've been listening to the Lowell Thomas award-winning travel show Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer, a featured podcast on NPR.org's podcast directory. Produced by California Central Coast NPR affiliate KCBX. You are invited to subscribe to Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer on NPR.org, NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher.com, and more than 20 other podcast channels around the world. To learn more about Tom Wilmer's journeys around America and the world, log on to ThomasWilmer.com. This is Roseanne Cash, and I'm sitting here with Tom Wilmer. Please support your local NPR station. I listen to WNYC in New York. In fact, NPR is all I listen to. If I didn't have NPR, I would feel like my lifeline to the world has been cut. So yes, please support your local NPR station. Yeah.